let's take our Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Genesis and uh, chapter number 6. We'll begin reading in verse 5. We're carrying a little further that thought. Those who have found grace. And aren't we glad that we've found this grace? The grace of God. And of course, we've been noticing, we noticed yesterday, that those who find grace soon find that it was grace that found them. It was headed, uh, when the prodigal son headed home, the father was headed toward him. We notice when Zacchaeus climbed up the tree to see if he could see Jesus, when he saw Jesus, he saw that Jesus saw him. And uh, so this matter of grace is uh, headed in your direction. And uh, we rejoice over the fact that we realize that the longer we're saved, that when we found grace, really it was grace that found us. And I'm glad for that grace. I've not tried to give you a definition of grace. I, I like the definition that's been used for years, the unmerited favor of God, the Lord giving you something you did not deserve. That was His work on the cross in salvation. Someone has said mercy is just the opposite of that. Mercy is, is God withholding from you that which you do deserve, which would be judgment. But uh, a human definition would to, of the grace of God would be like trying to embrace a mountain with one hug. It would be impossible. But yet we have pointed out a verse that I think is as good as any on this matter of the grace of God. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. It is all in Christ and the price that He paid that brought grace to us one day. Now I want us to look at uh, these verses in Genesis chapter number 6. I'll begin reading in verse number 5. And I'm going to preach for a few moments tonight on what I call saving grace. I believe the very first characteristic of the grace of God when it comes to a sinner, it comes as saving grace. Grace wants to save you before grace does anything else for you. And we're going to emphasize that. Let's look at verse number 5. The Bible said, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was on evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I 
have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. I want us to look at this aspect of how God's grace came to Noah to save him. For by grace are ye saved. And uh, I think that the Bible bears out this emphasis of Noah's grace being a grace that saved him. In the New Testament, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 7, the Bible said, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving, to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. And then in 2 Peter chapter number 2 and verse 5, the Bible said, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. And then in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 20, which sometime were disobedient. When once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. This all began by God's gracious intervention. Just prior to the destruction of all humanity, Grace shot into Noah's life, but Noah found grace. And the grace that he found, the grace that came to him, was a grace that came from the eyes of the Lord, the countenance of the Lord, the the heart of the Lord, the being of the Lord. This grace that came to Noah saved him and saved his family. Aren't you glad for a grace that saves? And oh, just to use that term, saved, hallelujah. Saved by His marvelous, the songwriter said, grace. Oh, the flavor of knowing that God in His favor and in His grace would come to you and me with full intention of saving us. Saving us. Now, there are three or four things that I want to point out to you concerning saving grace. I want us to look at it. First of all, I want to draw to your attention to verse number 8 of Genesis chapter number 6. And I want you to notice how that Saving grace was manifested in Noah. Saving grace was manifested 
in Noah. Now, my emphasis here is that Noah does... He has no monopoly on the grace of God. Grace does not start with Noah, nor does it end with Noah. I realize that this is the very first time we find that term grace in the Bible, but Noah found grace. But you see, grace does not begin with man, as I say, nor end with man, but grace is an attribute and an aspect that comes from God. And uh, the Scripture tells us that grace was around a long time before Noah was. The Bible said, "...who has saved us," 2 Timothy 1, 9, "...and called us with a holy calling." not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus (laughs) before the world began. Anywhere you find great God, you're going to find grace. Because it was grace in the heart of God that began everything that moved in our direction from eternity past. And so, grace has been around, though we may not know the term before it showed up in Genesis 6 verse 8. We do realize and can see that it was grace when Adam and Eve fell that God took the skin of this animal and clothed them and then made a promise that the day would come that that uh, through this woman would uh, be born a promised seed that would bruise the head of the serpent. And God didn't have to do that for Adam and Eve. He could have just ended it right there. But that was an act of His grace. But as we come along through the genealogies, things seem to get worse and worse with time. The more people there are, it seems like the more wicked it becomes until finally uh, the whole world seems to be engrossed and enveloped in darkness and in sin. And it is in the midst of that darkness that God erupts or He manifests forth His grace. He said the whole earth is in evil and every thought and imagination is on iniquity and sin continually. And then all of a sudden, Noah found grace. In the darkness, in the surroundings of iniquity and and sinfulness and ungodliness, that there is a light that shines out of that. And someone said, what is that that's shooting out of all that corruption? It is grace that has superabounded for where you find sin. Grace does much more, the Bible said, where sin abounds. Grace doth much more abound. Someone said, where sin bounces once, grace bounces twice. Thank God. And so here it is. Grace is there. You can't just shut it off and then turn it on. 
But it's almost like that, that the grace, grace is, is beneath the surface of all the activities of man and you're not aware that grace is anywhere until all of a sudden it appears in Noah and then we say, oh, look, there is the grace of God. And so it is in all of humanity. If we look on the, hor- uh, ho- uh, the horizon and horizontal, it seems like everything is, is hell-bent and determined to do evil. But periodically in somebody's life, boom, the grace of God will erupt. Uh, the grace of God will be manifested in someone's life. Aren't you glad that... God's grace is there even when you don't know it's there. It kind of reminds me, you know, of, of uh, living back in the mountains of North Carolina and on that little farm that my wife was raised on. And there were seven different springs. And uh, standing at the yard looking up, you couldn't see the springs that were coming out of that mountain, it was amazing that in all the years that my wife's ancestry forefathers inhabited that land, approximately 200 years, that there was no record back through the times of anybody who knew of those springs drying up. And it would amaze us that during the dry times and dry spells, yet that that little creek behind the house continued to flow at such an angle and those springs continued to produce water without drying up. Now you didn't see water everywhere, but you could go to that spot where that spring was and sure enough, there was water there. But here's the thing that dawned on me. On the surface, there was only seven places where there was water on all the acreage that you could see. But I began to realize that if you've got seven spots on that mountain where water is coming up, that means somewhere beneath the surface, down in the channels and canals and crevices of those rocks, somewhere beneath lies... A lot of water because it constantly flows up and flows out. And so it is with the grace of God. God's grace is ever flowing, but many times we do not see it until God will save this sinner or save that sinner or move in this church or that church or move upon that man of God or another man of God. And then all of a sudden you see a display and uh, you see an eruption of grace. My, how God's grace can erupt in ungracious places. How His grace would just shoot shoot up in an old sinner's heart that you just knew there was no hope for that sinner. Or in a family situation of which none were taught the Bible, none were taken to church, none knew anything about God, and so you just didn't figure that anybody in that family would make 
a preacher or something of that nature, but somehow God's grace shot up and erupted. But Noah found grace. I might have said the whole family would have went to hell, but John found grace. Or but Mary found grace, or grace found grace. And that began that eruption and that that revelation and that appearance of the grace of God that became a stronghold on that mountain or in, in, in that family or in that situation as God's grace rumbled up. In ungracious places. Look, Noah's in a world of wickedness, but what happens? Grace shoots up. I'm glad that God's not short on His grace. There's a whole lot of grace. And it's liable to shoot up just about anywhere in some old sinner's life. The good news, child of God, don't despair. It might shoot up in your son or daughter's life somewhere. It might shoot up in a mother and father's. It might shoot up in a husband or wife. It might shoot up, who knows, but Noah found grace. I know as a 14-year-old boy, it shot up in my life. It'll take hold many times in ungracious places. It'll take hold among ungracious people. Look at this crowd in Noah's day. Who would have even thought that there was ever any hope for one? It showed up in ungracious predictions as God said, I'm going to destroy everything. That's it. I'm done with it. And then all of a sudden we hear the fizz and the breaking of the ground and the melting of the heart and grace erupts. (laughs) And we say, oh, the devil ain't got them all. Noah saved. Noah, did you hear about old Noah, old man? Noah, he found grace. Did you hear about Bill? Did you hear about Sam? Oh, he used to run with him, used to drink with him. What about him? He found grace. There was an eruption, a manifestation. Grace ever flowing where you would not expect it. Boy, that's the thrill of my heart of crossing the country is I just don't ever know where grace is going to shoot up again. <laughs> I was back in West Virginia, go there and preach at a certain place every year. And there was an old drunkard five years ago that came out of those mountains on one Sunday morning, he and his wife. And they were, I guess, in their 60s. I'd say more than that because I think he's in his early 70s now. But anyway, he came to that service on that morning. Little did we know or the pastor know that this man was going to show up, lived in a shanty of a house, drank all of his life, worked in those coal mines, lived a rough life. But on that day, grace took hold. Jesus showed up, realized he was a sinner, came to that old altar. I remember that morning and got born again. (laughs) And every year when I go back, What a difference in the look, just the look of this man. 
But he, sh he shakes my hand. The last time I was went by there, he looked with a sparkle in his eye and a tear on his cheek, and he said, Preacher, it's been five years, and it's still wonderful. Amen. The spring had sprung on his place, and it was still shooting up, shooting up. I like that, don't you? I'm talking about the grace of God. Those who found grace, Noah found saving grace. And how this saving grace manifested itself on Noah's behalf. The second thing I want to bring to your attention is not only how that this saving grace manifested itself as far as Noah was concerned, but I want you to notice how this saving grace made Noah. This saving grace did a work inside of Noah. You see, salvation's not just some little surface work. It's not just some little shallow do better or feel better. But it's, it is a, a work of God within the heart that you will forever know and what a change that it will make and that you will be a new creature in Christ Jesus. And hallelujah, I'm glad that when grace came into my life, grace didn't leave me like I was. But grace came to do a work in me and to change me forever. The Apostle Paul said it well. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And as God's children, we would none have the audacity to stand and say, well, I am what I am because of my education. I am what I am because of my do better. I am what I am because I turned over a few leaves and I quit. I am what I am by the grace of God. Because we know it was God's grace that did that eternal work that could not have been done. And grace will do a work in your life in some area that, that, that you will realize that it had to be God because you couldn't have done that. Grace will step in. Now, grace, when it comes... The first thing it'll do is an inside work. I noticed this in what the Scripture says about Noah. It speaks of that inner man. In verse number 9, it talks about him as a just man, perfect in his generations, and said that he walked with God. And then, of course, we read in the other earlier verses how that that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, an heir of righteousness. And uh, we read how that uh, Noah has this work, a godly work, that's, that has taken place in his heart. And we know that this comes by and through the grace of God. You see, what happens is when God's grace comes to save you, 
God's grace and God will do inside of you what the potter does with the clay. He'll take that lump of clay, throw it on the wheel, and begin to spin. And then he'll take his thumbs and he'll begin to work from the inside out. Now, religion likes to work from the outside in. It likes to form you to its, formulate you to its doctrines and, and its little uh, decrees and its little ways of worship to make sure we all act alike and look alike and all these other things. But grace, when it comes, it'll start on the inside because the inside work is the most important work. Amen. And it'll work on you on the inside by imparting righteousness and, and this grace will bring peace to the inside and this grace will bring joy to the inside and this grace will wash out the sin on the inside and purge on the inside. And once it's done the work on the inside, there's not as much work needed. All it needs is just a little bit of pressure on the outside. He does that inside work. Now, here's the thing that I want to bring to your attention. Noah is a preacher of righteousness. God has worked inside of him by grace. And the thing that sets Noah apart from everybody else is not just the ship, but it is the fact that God has delivered him from his sin. Now, a lot of folks want a salvation that'll put you in the ship, but they don't want a salvation that'll deal with your sin. You understand what I'm saying? But the Bible said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. And I'm here to tell you that if you're not saved from your wickedness, first of all, don't count on being saved from the water. It goes hand in hand. If your heart has not been saved and changed, don't count on being saved from hell. I run into so many people that are so caught up in saying, Thank God I'm not going to hell, and I'm glad that's part of the plan of deliverance. But I'm glad that not only did God save me from the hell that is out there, but I'm glad He saved me from the hell that is in this world. He has placed His Holy Spirit within me that gives me a desire for things that are right and things that are righteous. And, and uh, he's, not, he's not drinking on the side and building an ark. He's not engaging in the adultery and idolatry and building an ark at the same time. Like what one fellow said, he, he preached a message. He said, in his message, he preached on why I know I'm not going to hell. And somebody said, well, how do you know? He said, because I'm not headed in that direction. And brothers and sisters, I want you to know that when God gets done with the inside work, you'll be headed in a different direction. And you'll not only be saved from the water, you'll be saved from the wickedness. Now, I'm not saying by that that we none stumble nor fall nor have thoughts that we must be honest. We battle with this old flesh. And there are times that we are defeated. 
But I'm here to tell you this. I believe that a real child of God desires to live right and wants to be pure in the sight of God. And those that have no desire for that, it's a sure sign they've never run into grace. They haven't found grace. Grace will do that inside work that will deliver you from not only judgment, but also from sin. Moreover, the Bible said, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abound, grace did much more abound. That as sin reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm here to tell you I'm glad that when Jesus saved me, he brought his righteousness in me with a desire to worship him in holiness. That's the inside work. And I must say it this way. Because so many times we want to think that just a little profession is going to do the job or going to some altar or praying some prayer or being baptized or joining the church. And the world over is filled with people like that that are still locked up in the vices of iniquity and they're enjoying it without any desire of repentance. And I say I care not how many times you've been baptized or joined the church or whatever. If that's the case, you do not know saving grace. It does that inside work. But not only does grace do that wonderful inside work, and I'm going to tell you, to a real child of God, that's not grievous. I sense that you're not grieved by what I just said. You're thankful that God's grace has done a measure of that work in your life and delivered you from those things. And is still working to deliver you from things. Saving grace. Not only manifested in Him, but made Him. Does a work in Him. It's an inside work, as we notice, but it's also an outside work. I do believe if you've got Jesus on the inside, he'll show up on the outside. He'll show up in your speech, in your actions, in the things you say and do, in the places that you go. And this is so in Noah because the Scripture describes and depicts who Noah is. And it tells us as far as the outside, as far as what we can see on the outside now, uh, he's a preacher. He's a preacher. (laughs) Somebody said, oh man, Noah's took on religion. He's preaching now. Well, you don't just take on religion to preach. Some folks think that all preaching is is If you want to preach, what happens is you wake up one morning craving fried chicken. And you don't want to go to work. So then you start preaching. But no, it's that inside work that God does in your heart that that gives you a gift, that gives you a gift to pray, 
That gift of prayer comes from that grace that's done that inside work. And that's why you find yourself on your knees at an altar. Oh, that's why you find yourself praising God. That's why you find yourself in church. That's why you find yourself worshiping. And that's why you find yourself wanting to do those things day after day after day when the world is so looking at you saying, Man, I'd be bored to death. But you're saying, Bored? Give me more. Give me more. Noah preaches. He has the call of God on him. He is a preparer. Just think about it. In this day and age of what's happening as far as the economy and, and the workforce and uh, the unions and everybody trying to get a piece of the pie, poor Noah worked at the same place 120 years. He didn't retire after 30 years with no benefits. (laughs) Huh? He couldn't pick it, the line, or he couldn't... uh, He didn't even take no time off. He didn't have no... he He didn't have no vacation. God said, boy, you've got 120 years to make this ark and it's going to take every day of it. Now imagine the boys, they got a little weary from time to time. They said, Dad, can't we take the day off and go do something else? He said, no, son, we got to have an ark in 120 years. We ain't taking no time off. And you say, well, what? No, you can't take time off from God. <laughs> I'm not saying you can't go on vacation, but what I'm saying is you can't leave God at the house. Right. If you are, there's something wrong. You, 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 can't, you can't unionize God. <laughs> no, it won't work. Uh-uh. He is a preacher. He is a preparer. He, he labors and he's a pacer. The Bible said he even had time to walk with God. <laughs> time to fellowship with the Lord. I don't know how he divided his time up. Maybe early in the morning he got up and, and uh, went out and walked for a couple hours. Or, or maybe he preached in the morning and worked during the day and walked with God in the evening. I don't know. But one thing for sure, you could tell that old man Noah had run headlong into God because grace was showing up in every aspect of his life. Boy, don't you love it when God saves an old sinner and it ain't long till grace starts popping out all over him. And you know that God has done an inner work and thank the Lord He has done an outer work. So we've said that grace manifested itself in Noah. Grace made Noah who he was. But the third thing I want to bring to your attention is how that grace motivated Noah. This is how grace worked through Noah. Now we preached a little bit about that last night. I'm going to say a thing or two about it here. And I want to make this statement because I'll preach some more about it in the next two nights. I have have preached more on works since I've been preaching on grace than I ever did in my life. And you say, why? Because I found out that the one thing that works is grace. Grace is not lazy. You don't work to be saved. And you don't work to get grace. 
But I promise you, if grace comes in on old sinner's heart, watch out, grace comes to work. It wants to do something. It'll find God will give it something to do. There'll be a gift. There. He'll bring his He'll bring his toolbox with him. He's want to work. <laughs> Grace works. Sure does. It's what the apostle Paul said. He said, I'm the least of the apostles. But he said, Yet I labored more abundantly than they all. But what did he say? Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. He said, I, I, I didn't, don't misunderstand me. It's not me that did it. But he said, grace got in me. And when grace got in me, grace woke me up in the morning and said, let's go to work. <laughs> let's get to preaching. Let's get to building an ark. Let's get to walking with God. I want to do something today. <laughs> it bothers me with all this motivational preaching going on nowadays to try to psychologically get people to do things, quote, for the Lord. Well, funny, if I've got to push your buttons and pull your levers to get you to do something, I'm not interested in it. But brother, if you can come to me, and sister, you can come to me and say, Preacher, I want you to know the Lord's moving inside of me, and He wants me to do this. That's the time to do it. Amen. Grace wants to work, and it will work, and it'll work faithfully. Now, I noticed this grace in Noah's life. He found grace, and brother, did he go to work. He had a, he started out in the minute details. What we would say is sort of, you know, boring. Because you think about it. He's got 120 years to build an ark. Now, if you're going to build a specialty item that's not been in existence before, then the tools to build that with do not exist either. So, Noah, first of all, has got to spend time building the tools and making the tools that will make the ark. Now, I don't know how long that took him. As God gave him the ability, as his boys worked, maybe five years, maybe ten years, before they ever cut the first plank for that ark. He may have worked, who knows, 15 years. He might have said, all right, boys, Here's all the tools. This is what we're going to need right here. Now we can go to work. And then they go out there and they cut down that first tree and, and then they got to hew it out with those axes, you know. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe they get that first log. They got to have that thing right. This first one's got to be right. And, and maybe they get that right. And when they lay it out there, Noah says, oh, boys, ain't that good? Said, 25 years. That's all it's took. 25 years. Looks good. Looks good. And then they begin to cut some more, and then they got to get that pitch. And I don't know, 35 years later, it's up maybe three or four feet. And, and maybe 60 years later, it's pushed on up. And 75 years later, and like I say, the boys probably wanting to take a picnic and take a day off. And they said, no, boys, we can't do it. 
Grace is in my heart wanting to save you boys, wanting to save me. And the only way we're going to be saved is through this ark. And Grace wants to build an ark. It ain't me, boys. Grace wants to build an ark. A hundred and twenty long years. Working and laboring studiously to build an ark. All because grace is working on the inside. In this minute work, in this urgent work, in this evident work, there is slowly coming out of the foray of the labor as the world walks by a ship that is going to save a man and his family and ultimately save the world. There's got to be a boat. Now, I want to say this to you. I hope you can understand this. Truth if I ever said it. We can talk about Noah's faith. The Bible does. We can talk about his grace. We can talk about his righteousness. We can talk about his justice. We can talk about all of those attributes. But I'm going to tell you something. When it's all said and done at 120 years, if there is no ark, Noah's going to drown with everybody else. Now, you can talk religion all you want to. But, honey, there better be real old-time salvation brought into your life through grace. And as Noah builds this ark, thank God he's building this ark, not only for his salvation, but grace is in him building an ark for his children and, and, and for his children's wives and for, uh, for his wife. And so he is urgent and you can hear him out there every day as he goes to work. Somebody said, who is that? That's grace working. Grace going to work. Realizing there's a ship needs to be built in my life. If my children are going to be saved and my grandchildren are going to be saved, they're going to have to sense the benefit of that old ship being built. Grace is wanting to build a ship through prayer and, uh, and through the Word of God. He's wanting to build a ship around your house. Grace is wanting to build something that'll sail through the storm, not only for you, but for others. Amen. That grace is slowly, surely working to preserve lives. Saving grace as it motivates Him. I don't think you had to go every morning and say, Come on, Noah, get up. Noah, come on, let's build an ark today. <laughs> no, you didn't have to pull and pump and prime him. Grace had already urged him and motivated him. He was moved with fear, the Bible said, to the preparing of an ark. You say, preacher, why is this church not filled? I'm going to tell you why. 
because we've got a lot of folks who have their name on a membership roll somewhere that have no urgency within them of the dangers that lie ahead and of the judgment that's going to fall upon this world and they're not laying in they're not doing anything as far as the ship is concerned as they watch their children float off into the seas of sin and their neighborhood and the world around them and honey I know this old world's going to sink in sin as it did in Noah's day but thank God you could have a ship sail by your little ship God has given you in Christ to sail by some old sinner's place and pull them up out of that thing and they can head on to Christ because somebody was faithful to the house of God somebody was faithful in prayer somebody was faithful to the word of God There's a lot of folks in this hour that's got religion, but there's very few folks that know much about grace that saves. But old Noah knew about it. I'm talking about how grace motivated Noah, how grace made Noah, how grace manifested itself in Noah. I want to close with this thought. I want to look down, if you will, in verse number uh, 18. Here's what the Lord says to him in chapter number 6. He said, But thee will, with thee will I establish my covenant. And then if you'll jump over into chapter number 9, in verse 12, God said, This is the token of the covenant I made between me and you and every living creature for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature and all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. <laughs> Can I close with this thought? I'm talking about grace, how, not, how it not only manifested itself in Noah, how not only it made Noah, how not only it motivated Noah, but I want you to notice, as grace does all of God's children, ultimately grace marveled Noah. It amazed Noah. That's why it's called amazing grace. <laughs> because before it's done, you're going to stand back and say, Wow. Look what the Lord has done. And that's where we praise Him out of, is that, that marvelous work of grace and what grace does for you and does for me. And when the storm is over, now even before the storm began, He said, No, i got a covenant. I, my covenant's with you. He gave Him that saving grace. And a part of that saving grace even came into effect after the storm was over. He said, Noah, step out here and show you something. <laughs> now, Noah has experienced the saving effect of grace as far as, 
uh, as that practical part of that ark that he's in there. But he ain't seen nothing yet. When he steps out of that ark, God paints that rainbow in the sky, the multicolored. The Bible calls it the manifold grace of God, multicolored. And he said, Noah, I want you to look at that. That's part of that covenant where I saved you. And every time there's a storm that passes over, I'll send one of them right after that so you can see and be reminded of my marvelous grace. <laughs> no one could just come out and say, Look, look. I don't ever remember riding along in a car and seeing a rainbow or someone in the car seeing a rainbow saying, Look, there's a rainbow that everybody just set. But what will happen is, is whatever window they're pointing out of, you better make room because every head's going into that window. I never heard the word rainbow that I didn't want to see the rainbow, have you? I guess the most beautiful rainbow that me and my wife ever saw was a double rainbow in Israel. Oh, how spectacular. But I don't want to offend any of y'all by saying the second most beautiful one was in Alabama. Not too long ago, it just seemed like that, that rainbow stayed there forever and ever. And it was so spectacular at the, at the gleams and, and the glitter and the, and the shine and the colors of that rainbow. And me and my wife just stared at it for so long until we had gone beyond it was out of sight. It's just a rainbow does something to you, doesn't it? It's a, ooh. Now, if you think a rainbow does that to you, what do you, what do you think it did to Noah? Honey, honey, come here. Another rainbow. <laughs> Another rainbow. Go get the grand youngins. Bring them out here. A rainbow. I said, Grandpa, why does that excite you? Oh, that rainbow's a part of that covenant of God's saving grace. And every time I look at it, it reminds me of how He delivered me from the worst storm this world's ever known. Amen. <laughs> That's why so often God will bring back to your mind His grace because He wants you to see that grace that will remind you of what He saved you out of and what He saved you from. I love to be reminded of that, don't you? That's saving grace. And when I asked you last night, just mention a name. And I think just almost everybody here raised a hand and mentioned because it brought back to your mind that saving grace. But here's the thing that leaped out of that text that marveled Noah and marvels me. That while the rainbow is there for Noah to see, it's not the primary purpose. Did you ever notice that in that text? I never had before until I began to meditate on this that the purpose of the rainbow, though it involved Noah so he could see it, that wasn't the primary purpose. You know who the rainbow was made for to see? God. Look at it here. Boy, and I'm telling you, it just jumped out at me. 
He said, it shall come to pass in verse 14 of chapter number 9 that I will bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all the earth and the bow shall be in the cloud and I will look upon it that I may remember. <laughs> he said, Noah... If you ever want to look eyeball to eyeball with me, next time you look into a rainbow, just wave at me because I'll be meeting your eyes. I'll be looking from the other side. <laughs> Said every time I throw a swath of a rainbow, I'm going to be thinking about how I saved you. I'm going to say, Michael, I know you don't understand this. You've searched into it. But look at here, boy. Look at that rainbow right there. I saved old Noah. I can remember the day when I saved him. Every time he looks at it, he says, boy, I saved old Noah from a big old storm. There's that rainbow. God be reminding himself of that grace that was bestowed upon you. And when he looks at you and you and you and you and you, what he wants to see is that work of grace. Amen. I preached this a couple of months ago in a church and there were some young kids there and they showed up in another meeting I was in here a while back and they said they came in so exciting they said preacher preacher they couldn't have been seven or eight ten years old there's three of them in that family. preacher 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 said I said what well, I said we saw a rainbow when we was ahead of the church and said I waved and said hi God he said Noah you look at it and I'll look at it and we'll meet at grace <laughs> if you won't ever want to meet God eyeball to eyeball, the only place to meet Him eyeball to eyeball is in grace. <laughs> you don't want to see Him on no other basis. But oh, if you get to looking into His eyes, as Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, in grace. Now, I thought about over here in Ephesians chapter number 2, if I can get over there and read you this this verse. I'm talking about how, how God likes to be reminded. He likes to remind himself of each work of grace in your life. He thinks about that when he looks at you. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 6, the Bible said, And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Notice verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. You know, God is so interested in His grace in your life and saving you by His Son. He, that's all He thinks about when He looks at you. When He looks, He said, No, look at that, look at that. And while you're looking at it, I'll be looking at it. And we'll both be thinking about grace. You know, you know what it reminds me of? I think what, what God does is uh, it, kind of like you and I with our children in special events and special occasions. You say, Mom, get the camera. And we'll, we'll catch that child in some specific, maybe it's Christmas time, we bought them something. Say, Hold still. Oh. oh, I like that. I like that. And then maybe one of them, you've held it and it maybe wiped a tear in its eyes and you take all those pictures or maybe you take them to the beach and you you take that picture or to the mountains or maybe it's the first time you put them on a bicycle and it's 
And then what happens is 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years later, there's just nothing like going back and knocking the dust off and pulling one of those out. And the kids now are, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old. And you flip that thing over and say, look at her, honey, you remember that? It's when he pulled his tooth and thought he was going to die. <laughs> Ain't that funny? You wiped the blood off and hugged him up real close and got him through it. Look, look at there on that. That, that. That's the first bicycle she is on right there. Look, look at that. This is when we took him to the beach the first time. Look at that. That's you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's what them pictures is all about. You know what heaven's going to be all about? God's memory of what he did in your life. Amen. And what he's doing with Noah... It's just like he's bringing old man Noah over and he's sending a rainbow. Stand up right, right here. Noah, hold still right there. Turn around and look at me, Noah. Hold still. Oh, boy. A trophy. That's what he said. I'm going to show forth the riches of my grace. Amen. I'm taking me a picture. Come on, brother. You step up here. I'm going to get one of you. Come on. Can you get up here? You can sit down, brother Noah. Huh? The Lord said, I remember when I saved him. We're going to look through these pictures when we get to glory. The Lord's going to say, you want to look at my album? This and here was a drunkard. This and was a drug addict. This and here, well, you know, just all kinds. This is where they is at when I met them. Just like old Noah. And so I said, hold right, right, still right there by your grace. I'm going to get that grace in there real good. Smile for me. Now you can be seated. Oh, come on, sister. Yeah, I want you to get a picture. We're going to see you in heaven, I know. And we've got to have us another picture of grace. He said, Noah, every time you look, I'll look. And in, in eternity, I'm going to have a bunch of snapshots. Photo ops. I remember when I saved you. I remember what I did for you. That rainbow will have a little different color about it because it'd be a different experience. But all my youngins will like this one. It's going to look good in heaven. And see what he does every time he looks at you, he sees his grace working. He said, oh, I remember when I saved her. I want to... I remember when I saved him. Oh, y'all remember when I saved her. Oh, I remember when I saved him. I remember what he was going through when I saved him. Grace, grace, marvelous grace. Saves old sinners. Oh, it'll have a little different... Did a little, that old rainbow throw out a different sparkle for each one of us according to what God's done in our lives. And when God looks at us... Oh, he said, hold right real still. Grace that I might show forth. He said, Noah, hold still right now. Right, hold right there. He said, you think about it and I'll think about it. When we get to heaven, we'll all talk about it. Amen. Glory. <laughs> Saving grace. Amen. Nothing.